This is Seppa, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 25 of season two. And I just came out of another tornado watch that I think was canceled maybe a half hour ago. I cannot wait until tornado season is over, but I sure do love spring. Today, y'all, I wanted to do something I don't usually do, which is start with the Patreon that we have. And the reason, before I get into doing my shout outs for the month, and I know I usually do that at the end, but bear with me, is because it has become quite the family over there. You know, I do feel more comfortable sharing things over there, and there is some sort of trust level that we've all built up with each other. I am thinking of doing something for the Patreons on Facebook. I'm just thinking about it, but it seems to me that I'm a little behind the times and Other folks are doing these um, Facebook groups. And while I'm just not right now interested in doing an open one, I do think a closed one for the patrons, I think that'd be really sweet. Anyway, I have a little bit of a story to tell y'all. And that is that one of the people who has followed the blog and listened to the podcast for a long time, well, we (laughs) we ended up being friends. And Cresta means a lot to me. I wanted to go on a break and I didn't want to lose a couple of people, especially those that were always commenting and I felt had become almost part of my family and friends, at least some kind of circle like that. And so I drug her over on my real page, on my government page. And from there, when my grandchild was born, she was one of the people who sent so many lovely things. And she's not the only one, but she's the one that I ended up actually getting to meet in person last night. It just throws you to see someone in the flesh and to realize how authentic and real that person is. You know, I was lucky in that regard. Anyway, she drove her butt all the way to Alabama and we sat outside and it got dark and I'm sure she ended up staying a little bit longer than she intended We did a little bit of magic because that's just my way. It'll accidentally happen even if it doesn't happen on purpose. And she gave me the most beautiful ring that she has one just like it. So now we have that sister thing together, which is so sweet. But while we were talking last night, it really hit me how connected we had gotten over the internet. How that even seeing her in person didn't really change that. It might have made it a little bit deeper. And the experience was certainly worth it, but I used to be one of those folks that would say there's no way that you can end up being true friends with someone you've never met. And since then, I think I've garnered about 10 <laughs> so that I would call real friends that I would say, no, it's real, whether or not I ever get to be in the same room with this person. So shout out to my girl who found her way out in the middle of the country, only got lost once. And what we talked about last night is something I think I want to get to today. But first, I do want to shake things up a little bit. So here are all of my patrons I have not been able to get around to shout outs for. And that is due, I'm sure, to all these interviews I've been doing. So Siege, Andrea, Kelly, 
Infamy and Beyond, Candace, Misty, Melissa, Sharon, Ashley, and Stephanie. Thanks, y'all. This is really, really helping. We do have a bit of a goal here, and we're on our way. And maybe one of these days, I will hit that goal and be able to do this more full time. And um, some of the things that I do over there is we talk about merch I might want to do, which, by the way, we're getting to on that one. I also talk to them about anything to do with the podcast, just ideas. Um, I share pictures with them. They have my private mailing address. I have a, a PMB now so that they can send me things and I can send things to them. But I'm not going to release that to the general public. But through all those thought processes over there, I did decide on a t-shirt. I did only do a very small run of them. And they are up now in my Etsy shop. It's the uh, Save a Chicken Fry the Patriarchy logo. Has my chicken on it. Well, the one that that wonderful artist did for us. And I'd say due to current events and our politics that um, have my old ass pretty frightened, uh, not to mention furious, I think that shirt's pretty timely right now. So I'll put a link in the bottom of the podcast show notes and y'all can go check it out. I have also gotten coffee cups made and they have the logo on them. And I don't know why y'all love stickers so much, but that was the number one vote with stickers. So <laughs> all of these things are about to go up as well. I'm just waiting on the delivery to make sure that I have them in hand before I sell them. There's only a few shirts left. So if y'all want to run over there and check that out. But if you haven't joined Patreon yet and you want to just think about that, we are having a lot more daily fun (laughs) and a lot more is shared over there. It's kind of like a family. All right, moving on. What are we going to talk about today, y'all? Well, I think we should start with my conversation with Cresta last night. You know, I've been really grappling with how to grow the podcast because on the one hand, I think it's a worthy endeavor got a lot of books in my head that I want to write. I've got one I've almost got done. And I want more time to do this work. I mean, if I were going to have a bit of a later life career shift, this would be where I would shift to. And I just want it to stay, as Krista and I discussed, as authentic as possible. So while I am going to still do interviews, I mean, they're important to do. There's a lot of cool stuff to be said out there. And I'm very, very picky about who I interview. There's one in particular that I have on the horizon that I'm just not willing to cancel. I'm also not able to say who it is quite yet. I'm sure it'll be shocking. But if that one person wants to come on the podcast, I am going to go ahead and do that one. Otherwise, I think I'm going to just not stop, but kind of back down a little while. And one of the reasons is, is y'all remember, I said if this wasn't fun anymore, I wasn't going to do it. So I've got to keep it as fun as possible for me, but also for y'all. So while they're important to do those, all those interviews, as far as I'm concerned, were important to do, I think let's just get back to you and me for a little bit. Maybe I'll do one like once a month or one every six weeks. But for now, I think it should just be us. And speaking of authenticity. I do think I want to talk about something that I keep getting asked about all the time, and that is, how the hell do you find your magical name? And y'all, one of my patrons over there on Patreon 
asked me this question, gosh, uh, several weeks ago, and I just haven't had a chance to get around to answering it on the air. And part of this message I kind of feel like is private, so I'm going to leave it alone. Let's just leave it as this person is Southern. Uh, their name is um, the initial M. We're going to leave that too. She uses she, her pronouns, and she's a darling. But after she talks a little bit about being Southern and how hard it is down here in the South to be witch or witchy, she asked me this. How did you come up with Seba? I want to craft some version of my truest witchy self, but I too am an educator and would definitely lose my job if I come out as a witch publicly. How were you able to pick your name and do you have any advice on how to find my own witchy family? I'm tired of feeling alone, unappreciated, and unloved. Well, that one's a hard one. And I'm going to do my best to answer. Part of the issue is that I sort of keep some things to myself, honey. I, I think that, I don't know, it felt so private to know my witchy name, which you all know. It was the process of finding that name that felt... Um, sacred, but I can still help a little bit. I've helped a lot of people find their witchy name. In fact, I did so very recently, <laughs> and it was so much fun. And my methodology is not like, I don't think, anybody else's methodology. I think a lot of folks might research, and they might do it for a long time, and I think that's a wonderful methodology. I mean, after all, research is critical, and it might pop something in your head, and open a window or a door, and who the hell knows, right? You may find it there. A lot of people I know have gone this route. Some people I know, specifically in certain traditions, get their magical name from their teacher. We don't do that in my particular tribe, but what we do is um, when someone achieves the high priestess or high priest level, I do give them an extra name. For that moment, because that is as high as you can go over here. It's a gift from me. They can use it. They cannot use it. They can, you know, write it on a piece of paper and shove it in a book. But I do that one time. And it's at the end rather at the beginning because it wasn't my journey. What I've noticed is most times they don't want to. They want to keep it privately to themselves. And it is used in magical work and that kind of thing. And I know that there's a lot of books out there on the subject, and there's a lot of historicity behind how people have done this in the past. We're very specific, so I'm going to just explain how a country witch does it. <laughs> I don't know what the general consensus on this might be, and I would ask different witches, and I would do a lot of research before I just went with mine. But this is what we do, usually. I do ask them to go research. I ask them to research and think. I ask them to meditate. I ask them to listen to the wind. All that shit, honey. You know, we're looking at um, by the time they can even initiate with me, although I'm retired now. Raven is going to be doing any of the new teaching around here, although I do still have a place of honor on the porch. I need to focus on other things now, so... But in the past, what we would do is all of that. I'm sure she's going to continue in that vein, too, like mother, like daughter. And since we always had an auditor period where people had to be around for a while before they were even considered for initiation, bare minimum six months to a year, they had a little bit of time to get their feet wet. 
and of course think about what name they like. Now, it could be the magic of the Deep South. It could be something that's on my front porch. It could be the way we do things. But nine times out of ten, all that research ends up hitting the dust when an initiate is asked to close their eyes and deeply, deeply ground and wash their favorite color across their line of interior sight, whether that be purple or blue, that doesn't matter. And to listen to the sound of somebody else's voice as they lead them to this place. And as soon as they're very calm, which may take a little bit of work, to just simply, well, I snap my fingers and I do it three times and I say, what is your name? And their eyes always just flash open and they know it's every time they know. Sometimes it's a name they researched. Maybe even one that was well down on the list of possibility. Most of the time, they have no idea what just came out of their mouth. (laughs) And it takes a little, it takes a little work to get there. It takes a little trusting in yourself and seeking a lot of magical knowledge to kind of get to this place. Well, I mean, most of the time it does. As to the last name. It is within our tradition to pick an ancestor that we honor, that we feel connected with, and that surname is the one that we add to our magical name. So, Okali is in my past, and it represents the Irish side of me. Of course, there were a lot of misspellings because the people that I'm related to came from Limerick Island and the Isle of Man, so it's gone through a couple of spellings, maybe a few misspellings. However, it was the one I was the most attached to. And so there it was. As to my first magical name, I can say that it is an amalgam of a lot of things. People can look it up all day long. What is the meaning of this word, of this name? And they might get a lot of wrong ideas about why I named myself what I did. There was one, I guess, iteration that I felt connected to. One that tied into something my grandma called me when I was a little tiny girl. And I mean, besides the other one that she would call me when she was just funning around with me, and that was Taterhead. <laughs> I have a lot of Native American blood, and my head is large, and all of my kids' heads are large, and we grow into them, but when we're little, we, well, we look like a Taterhead. But that's not the one. I held this feeling in my heart. And every time I did anything magical or did any kind of work in that vein, I could hear this. I could hear this sound and I could understand the syllables. So it came to me like it comes to a lot of the students I've known. But I had to go look it up to see why. And there was one and only one historical reference that I said, ah, that's it. That's what she would have said. That's what my grandma would have said about me or about my birth, actually, to be very specific. And I wanted that connection. I wanted that tie back to who I was supposed to be, or at least how she saw me. And it's so private, I can't share it. But you can know the name. (laughs) I've been mistakenly called Seba, which is a whole different connotation to that moniker. And no, that's not me. I am Seba. Now, in the past, I've seen a student think they knew their magical name, and usually that comes when they've done a whole lot of research and kind of got attached to something. And I don't mean got attached to it because they thought, well, 
that must be magic because of the way I feel. No, they like the way it sounds or it looks good on paper. And then, you know, four or five years down the road, they get to know themselves and they get to know their magic and their uh, witchiness opens up a little bit more and they can hear their real name. So I've seen them change it. I think it's very important for anyone, at least it was for me, to have the autonomy to choose the name. But I think I would throw in a bit of a word of not really warning, but caution. And that is that names and words have power. I spent a lot of time in theory, literary theory, in my profession. And, you know, Bakhtin's idea of the signifier and the signified, it does matter. I believe that there is ontology of meaning. However, we can change that. We can crisp the edges of something and make it more real and foundational, or we can chip away at it. So I would be very careful with choosing a name. If it comes to you and it feels magical, I still do suggest doing a bit of research. Maybe there's a different way to spell something that takes on a whole other meaning. So it is important to have that, I suppose, awareness of what you are signifying when you name yourself or hmm, when the universe does, (laughs) because sometimes that is what it is. We should at least know what we're getting into. You know, I I think about how I named my dogs and I have way too many dogs and I've lost a few. And every time there was a sentimental, I suppose, maybe not even that, maybe even a magical reason I named them what I did. A lot of people did not understand why I named my Yorkshire Terrier Rasputin. Specifically, my Russian friend did not understand that at all, was sort of horrified by that. However, I understood why. He was so damn tiny. I mean, he's still not over six pounds. And we had my first dog. And my first dog was uh, Gatsby, after the great Gatsby. I don't think I have to explain that too hard. I think people would probably get the meaning of that one. But Gatsby was like 60 pounds. And I brought home this tiny, itty little thing that this horrible breeder didn't want. Because his ears had a flaw, a permanent flaw. They wouldn't stand up so he couldn't be shown. I mean, he had papers and everything, but he was important to me. And I just lost a baby, so I wanted to protect him. And I wanted him to have as many damn chances at life as Rasputin did. I know he was extraordinarily hard to kill. And so far, it has worked. I named Tichaba the way I did. If you do a little research, you will find why. Just go look at the Salem Witch Trials and you'll find her name. And you'll find out why I named her that one. I still contend that was the only real witch there. I named an old girl one time that we saved that nobody wanted because she had heartworms. And I adopted out, I'm, I'm a rescuer, or I was. I adopted out all of her babies, but I couldn't get her adopted. She was like four or five years old and half, oh, maybe even more than that, uh, pit bull sweet like sugar pie would not fight for her life she was attacked and laid there and let the other dog eat her she would not fight for her life and this old girl I don't know there was something about her that inspired me so I named her after my very favorite song at least when I was a little girl back in the 70s Um, I've got lots of favorite songs but this one this one just felt right for an old girl and that's Maggie May and years ago I had a cat 
uh, and she just outright hated all men. I do not know what her problem was, but she only liked women. She only liked girl cats. She only liked girl dogs. So I named her Sappho, who I adore. First poet that ever mattered to me. So there's a lot of power in names. I'm sorry that I'm going on about my pets, y'all. It just seemed natural to do so. Just so you could see that some of these things are just very unique to the person. Or in this case, the dog. And occasionally some chickens I have. So I suppose unless your tradition feels otherwise, I think it's up to you to go find it. Even if that's in your backyard with a candle lit and your eyes closed. Ask for protection from your good and protective and willing ancestors. And honey, go for it. Find out what you hear. Do a little research, too. It'll all come out in the wash, and you will have your magical name. You don't have to wait for someone to give it to you. And I will tell you, there is something that will occur right after. Maybe not that night, but definitely by the next day. You will feel something new. I'm not going to divulge who, because it's not, well, it's nobody's business. But Recently, the person I helped find their, I don't know that I helped, I just supported in finding their magical name, wrote to me and says, it's supposed to feel like this today? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's like, well, you opened a door. So, it's a worthy endeavor. I hope that answers your question somewhat. I know it's a little evasive. And you know, honey, sometimes names or especially our government names are something that doesn't suit us anymore. I have a story. Y'all want to hear a story? It's been a while since you heard a story. I can't tell you my real government name, but I can tell you it's my grandma's. And it's spelled strangely, just like hers. Because when she was in eighth grade, which I'm not sure if she graduated or not, oh, she ended up being very intelligent and doing a lot of cool things and designing her own houses, blueprints, the whole nine. But it was a different time. And it was the country. Anyway, she had to spell it herself. And because it was a school record, it stuck. And it is the most beautiful spelling of this particular name I've ever seen. But it does mean I will never find a keychain with it on there. Anyhow, when I was born, my mother was going to name me Kelly. I can tell you that that was going to be my name. And then she looked at me. And my grandma walked in. And I was the first grandchild. And I don't know if she knew that grandma was going to love me more than she did or if something else was working through her and that possibly my grandma. But she'd already started to write the name and just switched it up and put down my grandma's name. And that's how I got it. Now, there's a way to shorten my name in a way that doesn't sound like the real name at all. This is really hard to talk around. And so my mother did. I don't know why. It would have been better to let me have that beautiful name growing up. And I hated the way it sounded. And maybe I just hated the way it sounded coming out of her mouth. But it got attached to a lot of things about me and my childhood. It got attached to, you know, I was a troubled teen. There were really good reasons for me to be so troubled. And I couldn't stand it. I couldn't bear that iteration of my name. And so, when I got married to my oldest son's father, who was a sweetheart, he was a darling sweetheart, he said, well, why don't you just stop calling yourself that? You could just walk away from that altogether. And I said, oh my God, is that possible? And you know, nobody had 
ever told me that that was a possibility for me. Ever. It's so funny, isn't it, that we don't know there's a way out of a cage? Especially if we've been in it all of our lives and then suddenly somebody says, well, why don't you just open the damn door? (laughs) Oh, is that what that thing does? (laughs) Well, that never occurred to me. So I shortened it even further. Still the same name. It's a long one. And I shortened it even further. And when I did, it matched what her nickname had been in her adult life. And my sweet ex-husband, who's now deceased, went down to the local jewelry store. This is early 90s, and gold was all in fashion, you know, 14 karat gold. I haven't had any since. But he went down there, and he got that put on an initial ring that I still hold to this day. Because it was the first time anybody really validated my need to redefine myself and sort of shrug off all that black sheep crap bullshit, really, that they all needed. So, you know, how every family needs one. I was never allowed outside of that. There was no way out for that. So I had to just sort of um, shrug it off, become somebody else. Somebody a little bit more true to who I was supposed to be in the first place. I don't know if that makes any sense, but One night we were sitting on the front porch. Front porches in the South are very important, honey. It's like going to church, that and football. And we were sitting on the front porch and grandma looked at me and she said, you know what? I will always be so proud that you have my name. Mm. Still chucks me up, you know, because I didn't get a lot of that anywhere else. And while I very much wish that my grandchild had carried that name too, for my grandma's sake, Maybe one of my grandchildren will, or maybe a great-grandchild will one day, because holding that name and getting back more to the truest form of that name, that is probably one of the only true, you know, like a sigil, like a a ward against evil, um, a protecting thing, that name, that I've ever had. And since she was proud I had it too... I wear it with honor. I wish I could share it with y'all, but you know it's dangerous down here. You know, I will say that just as traumatizing as having to carry a name that does not suit you or was used in ways against you that carried so much grief and baggage that you really don't want to carry it anymore, just as traumatizing as that can be, the renaming of oneself is just as liberating and healing. And it's all within our power at any time. That's what I find just magnificent about magical names. We grow, we change. And sometimes the the name that we were given or the name we were called in my case as children or growing up or even through uh, first marriages, sometimes it just doesn't suit anymore. Sometimes that name literally has nothing to do with us anymore. And only has to do what people needed to see you as. Does that make any sense? So that's why I find this magical naming so, so critically in need of autonomy and a sacred moment. I'm not sure that anyone else can do it for you, honey. I mean, look how much shit we get into when our parents name us things that we're not proud of. I don't think anything can be more private than what the great mama, or whatever you call it, calls you. And what the universe sees you as. Could anything be more private than that moment? I don't think so. 
you know, I have a few transgender friends who mean the world to me, and they've gone through something very similar. Sometimes we need to own who we are. And sometimes that means to slough off something that doesn't suit us anymore. That isn't who we are. That never was who we were. I mean, life is short, baby. And to be authentic, to be yourself, is the most magical thing you can do. So, anybody out there looking for their magical names, uh, I really do wish you all the best for that. May you have all the blessings in the world on that one. But it is definitely a sacred moment. It's a sacred act. So I'm just not that sure you can find that, like instructions in a book. But I don't know, maybe somebody's written about it well. I haven't ever looked. I'm sure there's someone out there that's done a fairly good job of it. These are just my thoughts on it, y'all. And you know, I gotta tell you the truth. So, all right, y'all. Well, I've got to get down there to that high tunnel. I've got okra to plant. I've got them up about uh, eight inches and it's time to go in the ground. And the cycle does just keep on a turning, doesn't it, honey? Wherever y'all are tonight, whatever your name is, love you like chicken. And don't forget to fry the patriarchy. All right. See y'all next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.